Chapter Fourteen of Peggy Raymond's Vacation by Harriet Lemmis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fourteen. Aunt Abigail is mislaid. The little country schoolhouse had been the scene of varied activity that morning. Even in term time, when the battered desks were occupied, it is a question whether a forenoon's program would have been more strenuous. Equipped with tape measures, the girls had calculated to a nicety just how much furniture the platform could accommodate and still give the performers room to make their entrances and exits without colliding with the armchair or overturning the small table. The question of extra benches had also come up for consideration, and the girls had demonstrated to their complete satisfaction that two people of ordinary size could be seated comfortably at each desk. Absorbed in these fascinating calculations, they had failed to notice how rapidly the time was passing, till Dorothy began to complain of being hungry. "'You're as good as an alarm clock,' declared Priscilla, consulting her watch. "'It's half-past seven, Peggy.' "'Is it? Then we must wait another minute. If Aunt Abigail is back from her walk, she may be hungry, too.' Aunt Abigail had been invited to attend the preliminary inspection of the schoolroom, but had declined, frankly avowing her preference for a walk. Jerry had told her of a somewhat rare fern growing half a mile from the cottage, and Aunt Abigail, who intermittently was an enthusiastic amateur botanist, had professed a desire to see this particular species in its native haunts. "'Don't hurry, Peg,' pleaded Amy, as the procession headed for the cottage at a more rapid pace than Amy approved on a summer morning. "'It's more than likely that she isn't home yet. You know she never thinks anything about the time if she's interested.' As Amy's conjecture was based on an intimate knowledge of Aunt Abigail's peculiarities, no one was surprised to find it correct. The front door of the cottage was locked, and the key was hanging on a nail in full view, a custom of the trusting community which had gradually come into favor at Doolittle Cottage. The girls trooped indoors, and preparations for dinner began forthwith, even Dorothy lending her aid. Dorothy loved to shell peas, that ordinarily prosaic task being enlivened by the certainty that she would drop at least two-thirds of the agile vegetables, and be compelled to pursue them in the most unlikely hiding-places. The peas were shelled at last, and Dorothy, comforted for the untimely fate of several luckless fears, which had rolled under the feet of preoccupied workers, and, according to Dorothy, had been scrunched. Another twenty minutes, and Peggy announced that dinner was ready. "'If Aunt Abigail would only come, things won't be so good if they wait.' "'I won't be so good if I wait, either.' Dorothy declared, "'Cause it makes me cross to get hungry.' Dorothy was provided with an aid to uprightness in the shape of a slice of bread and butter, and the others seated themselves on the porch to await Aunt Abigail's return. It is an open secret that time spent in waiting invariably drags. The wittiest find their ideas deserting them under such circumstances. The most congenial friends have nothing to say to each other. There are, as a rule, any number of things one can do while one is waiting— but unluckily there is nothing one feels inclined to do. Up till one o'clock conversation was spasmodic. For the next half-hour silence reigned, and each face became expressive of a sense of injury and patient suffering. At quarter of two, open revolt was reached. "'Peggy, how much longer are you going to wait?' Amy demanded. "'Everything is probably spoiled by now.' Peggy did her best to be encouraging." Oh, not exactly spoiled, but it doesn't do a dinner any good to wait an hour or two after it is cooked. Why not sit down? She's sure to be here by the time we're fairly started, suggested Ruth. I'd as soon wait as not. Claire's face was angelically patient. 
i haven't a bit of appetite any more i suppose it's because my head always begins to ache so if i don't eat at the regular hour peggy rose to her feet rather hastily come on she said briskly we'll begin probably that'll be just the way to bring her and she wondered why it was that claire's patient sweetness was so much more trying than amy's fretful complaint but the device for bringing aunt abigail home proved unsuccessful peggy put her dinner on the back of the stove to keep warm and it was still simmering undisturbed when the platter and the various serving dishes on the table had been scraped clean for the loss of appetite of which claire complained was by no means universal the work of clearing the table and washing the dishes was usually protracted for every other minute some one ran out on the porch to see if aunt abigail were approaching by three o'clock a general uneasiness began to make itself evident i believe i'll go over to the place where those ferns grow peggy declared even if she's forgotten all about her dinner it can't be good for her to go so long without eating don't you want to come with me amy amy who seemed less concerned than any of the company blithely accepted the invitation we'll probably find her with a great armful of ferns and her hat tipped over one ear and she'll be perfectly astonished to know that it's after twelve o'clock oh you don't know aunt abigail as well as i do but though they searched the section of the woods jerry had designated as the habitat of the rare fern and called aunt abigail's name at frequent intervals there was no answer nor did they find anything to indicate that there had been an earlier visitor to the locality amy's confidence seemed a little shaken by this discovery and she made no objection to the rapidity of the return to the cottage ruth came hurrying out to meet them has she come amy called her voice betraying her change of mood no haven't you found her it was of course an unnecessary question for the anxious faces of the two girls would have told that their quest had been unsuccessful even if their failure had not been sufficiently demonstrated by the fact that aunt abigail was not accompanying them we'd better go right over to cole's peggy said after a minute's pause perhaps mrs cole found she was alone and asked her for dinner i've been there was ruth's disappointing reply and i went down to mrs snook's too i thought aunt abigail might have gone there to borrow something you know she was so unwilling to give up the idea but mrs snooks was sitting out on the porch and she said she hadn't seen her the others had gathered around them as they stood talking the speckled chicken who as a result of being brought up by hand was developing an extravagant fondness for human society came up peeping shrilly evidently under the impression that in so sizable a gathering there must be someone who had nothing better to do than minister to his wants hobo too made his appearance and he alone of the company gave no sign of mental disturbance. Amy pushed him away impatiently as he rubbed against her. The effect of worry on Amy's temperament, having the not unusual result of making her short-tempered. Then a bright idea flashed into her head. Peggy, maybe we could track her. Who could? Why, Hobo, we can let him smell something Aunt Abigail has worn, and then, if he's any good, he ought to be able to follow the trail. I don't see how we're going to hunt for her unless we try something like that. Peggy did not regard the suggestion in a particularly hopeful light, but at the same time she had nothing better to suggest. To continue the search for Aunt Abigail without a single clue as to the direction she had taken was not unlike looking for the proverbial needle in the haymow. Accordingly, Peggy followed without protest, while the other girls, relieved by the mere suggestion of a definite program, hurried into the house, and up the stairs to Aunt Abigail's room. 
a moment later they reappeared each bearing something selected from aunt abigail's belongings the various articles were deposited in a circle about hobo as if he had been a heathen idol and aunt abigail's worsted shawl and silk work-bag votive offerings hobo did not in the least understand the meaning of this new game but he was pleased to find himself the centre of attention and thumped his tail against the porch with a sound like persistent knocking i don't believe i'd give him this exclaimed peggy picking up the work-bag and sniffing thoughtfully it smells so strong of peppermint that it's likely to mislead him she always carried peppermint drops in that bag said amy the use of the past tense was such an unconscious admission of fearing the worst that the girls looked at one another aghast and then peggy with a desperate realization that something must be done and that immediately seized the worsted shawl and knelt down before hobo find her good fellow she urged holding the wrap close to the dog's nose over the fleecy mound hobo regarded peggy with bright intelligent eyes he's smelling of it said a thrilled voice in the background yes and he looks as if he understood cried another voice see how his eyes shine even peggy's doubts were vanishing before hobo's air of absorbed attention find her hobo she insisted find aunt abigail the little group stood breathless while hobo descended the steps and nose to earth followed the winding gravelled path for half its distance then taking an abrupt turn he struck off across the lawn their hearts in their mouths the girls hurried after peggy heard priscilla just behind her saying that it was perfectly wonderful priscilla had always retained a trace of her first disapproval of hobo's admission into the family circle and even at that anxious moment peggy felt a little thrill of satisfaction over the fact that the wisdom of her charity had been vindicated hobo ambled across the lawn stopped abruptly at the foot of the pear tree and there seated himself looking up into the branches and wagging his tail with an air of having abundantly satisfied his own expectations peggy's efforts to induce him to take up the trail were useless familiar as they were with aunt abigail's eccentricities it was impossible to believe that she had improved the occasion of their absence to climb a pear tree especially as its fruits had been gathered weeks earlier moreover even granting the possibility of so erratic a proceeding she must have descended from her perch unless she had continued her journey by airship peggy brought the worsted shawl and renewed her appeals and commands while hobo continued to wag his tail apparently under the impression that he was being praised for some remarkable achievement there's no use wasting any more time amy cried at last on a dog as stupid as that one he never pretended to be a bloodhound said peggy her sense of justice driving her to the defence of her protege and then she dropped the shawl and ran to meet jerry morton whose cheery whistle usually announced his coming some time in advance of his actual arrival jerry had come to ask the opinion of the company as to the advisability of occupying the second intermission by a banjo duet but before he could introduce the subject his attention was claimed by the news of aunt abigail's mysterious disappearance as all the girls talked at once the resulting explanation was somewhat confused and jerry gathered the impression that hobo was being held responsible for driving aunt abigail into the pear tree corrected on this point his face suddenly acquired an expression of extreme seriousness i saw long bout noon but tain't likely that had anything to do with it what was it cried the girls in chorus each conscious of a chilly sensation in the neighborhood of the spine and amy added fiercely if you know anything jerry tell it quick we're losing lots of time well it was a band of gypsies there was a minute of awed silence 
but you don't think amy began and paused helplessly i don't think anything but well they had three wagons you know the kind and in the bottom of the last one i could see somebody lying stretched out and all covered over with a blanket i thought most likely one of the men had been drinking and was just sleeping it off but of course jerry paused overwhelmed at the sight of the horror depicted on the faces of his auditors vainly he racked his brain for a less harassing explanation of the fact that aunt abigail had disappeared some time during the forenoon and at five o'clock was still missing peggy her lips very white attempted to reassure herself and the others by attacking the theory he had suggested but jerry what would gypsies want with an old lady like aunt abigail i thought they only stole babies yes and they come back after a while and claim their father's estates chimed in amy hysterically jerry would have liked to be consoling but did not see his way clear to that end he accordingly observed that real gypsies would steal anything they could lay their hands on and when he had finished this expression of his inmost convictions amy burst into tears oh why are we wasting time she cried we ought to get mr cole and joe and all the men around to drive after those people and see who was under that blanket oh dear oh dear dorothy was pulling peggy's skirt i'm peggy i'm peggy listen oh hush dorothy i can't attend to you but listen aunt peggy dorothy you're a naughty girl i can't listen dorothy too burst into sobs i just wanted to tell you she wailed that aunt abigail was a-sitting on the porch peggy spun about the astonishing news was true on the porch sat aunt abigail swaying slightly in one of the willow rockers with her meditative gaze fixed on the western sky after the first inevitable half minutes of stupefaction there was a wild rush for the house it seems to me i never saw the sky prettier was aunt abigail's astonishing beginning but no one was in the mood to join her in discussing the beauties of nature where have you been was the cry echoed from lip to lip aunt abigail smoothed a wrinkle in her skirt and for the first time since undertaking the chaperonage of the terrace girls she looked a trifle discomfited i found such an interesting story in the garret she said a continued story it was and it ran through an entire year fifty-two numbers i had a little difficulty in finding every installment but i succeeded at last you girls will enjoy reading it i am afraid aunt abigail glanced uneasily at the rosy west and left the sentence unfinished i hope she said instead that you didn't wait dinner for me but the door was locked said peggy finding it almost impossible to believe that their alarm had been groundless yes i thought it wasn't quite safe to leave the door unlocked when i would be in the third story but i didn't want to have to hurry down to let you in i locked the front door on the outside and hung up the key then i went in by the back door and locked it on the inside and you mean that you've been in the garret all these hours cried amy in accents of exasperation her face gave no hint of its usual easy-going nature though the tears were still undried upon her cheeks ominous lightning played in her eyes it really looked as if she could not easily forgive aunt abigail for her failure to be kidnapped by gypsies and just at the right moment somebody giggled among other benefits that laughter confers on the race it not infrequently serves as a lightning conductor with all the anxiety they had suffered the situation was ludicrous nevertheless while they had agonized below stairs aunt abigail had sat on the garret floor absorbed in a sensational serial story 
oblivious to everything but the next chapter an uncontrollable titter went the rounds it gained volume like a seaward flowing brook it swelled to a roar and amy who for a moment had stood silent and disdainful as if she defied the current to sweep her off her feet gave up all at once and laughed with the rest aunt abigail laughed too though more as if she wished to appear companionable than because she really saw the joke when the silence of exhaustion followed the uproar and the girls were wiping their wet eyes each avoiding the glances of her neighbor for fear of going off into another paroxysm aunt abigail made a remark which helped to explain her failure to enter into the fun i really hope you didn't wait dinner repeated aunt abigail politely and if if it's the same to the rest of you i vote for an early supper End of chapter 14